We all know the damage that fires are capable of. What we don't always understand is the cause, behavior, and what to do in the aftermath of a fire. Today, you'll understand these aspects just a little bit more. Welcome to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. We will give you tips on fire prevention, how to deal with insurance matters, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Donna and Mike. Hello and we get, welcome to, uh, there you go, it starts off really good. Uh, welcome to Speaking of Fire. This is Mike Slapman. I'm a past president of the International Association of Arson Investigators and, and honored to be so. I've been a um, fire expert for approximately 45 years now. That well, was actually 46, but I don't want to tell how old I am. And, uh, and I have... Uh, I teach the expert witness testimony course for the International Association of Arson Investigators. And this is Donna Ingram. I'm a past director of the International Association of Arson Investigators and have about 30 years experience and welcome to Speaking of Fire. And today we have a great guy on. Uh, I, I know him personally. He's a friend. I, I think he's a friend. He's, I think we're friends. Anyway, uh, and uh, a great investigator. And the name of our, our show here is Transitioning from Public to Private Investigations, the Plan. And I've talked to Doug Monty, who's on here. And we, uh, we want to help uh, people understand uh, what to do when they're planning to leave public service sometime and, and come over into the private investigations field. Doug has served over 25 years as a special agent with the ATF uh, and, and was a supervising special agent. Uh, he has 18 years as an ATF CFI, as, as he's also an International Association of Arson Investigators CFI, which means Certified Fire Investigator, and had worked origin and cause investigations for 18 years with them. Uh, he was a member of the ATF in our, uh, NRT, which is a national response team, and they're the ones that get uh, called out when uh, there's a major incident. Uh, he also has taught at the ATF uh, National Academy, the Kansas Law, uh, Law Enforcement Training Academy, and the Kansas chapter, and many other um, other entities he's taught for them. He owns Monty Fire Investigations in Wichita, Kansas, and is a fire and explosion cause and origin company. That's what he does, uh, and uh, he is very, very good with the scientific method and the uh, principles outlined in NFPA uh, 921 and 1033. He also provides uh, consultation services and expert witness services and trial preparation and training. And when he is, and in his part time, he does fire investigations. <laughs> you, you do everything, don't you, Doug? I try. It's just uh, it's one of those things. I'm trying to be like you, Mike, and uh, I got a long way to go. Yeah, well, yeah, you poor guy. I feel sorry for you if you're going to try and follow these uh, raggedy steps. Um, yes, but no, Doug is uh, is terrific, and uh, and he started. Uh, how long ago? How when did you start uh, Monty Fire Investigations? Well, so I retired from ATF on July 31st of 2015, and I actually my company came into being on August 1st of 2015. But the, the process started well before my retirement date, although. You know, the biggest issue is, you know, you have an employer who, and with the government, they like to keep tabs on what you're doing. So I, I really wasn't able and didn't feel comfortable really going out and trying to market myself or or put put it out there that I was going to start my own company. I mean, p- people knew by word of mouth, but I, uh, so that, to answer your question, that that's kind of how it all started. 
So it would have been August 1st of 2015. So I'm coming up on my third year here in August. Well, that's fantastic because I know you do really good work. Um, I'm in a good position when we have this uh, consolidated fire investigation services. I'm I'm able to uh, to uh, de- to send some work uh, out, and I know that we've used your services because of your expertise. Um, and Donnie, you uh, you know Doug through uh, what through the Kansas chapter. Yeah, the Kansas chapter IWI, and with when you were with ATF, and then I know that you and I had several conversations when you were first getting out there three years ago. Absolutely, and and that you know one of the biggest obstacles I probably faced uh, once I was once I made the decision to retire. Once they started talking about sending me to Washington D.C., I knew it was time. <laughs> I, I was smart enough to figure that out. But the biggest, the biggest. <laughs> hurdle or, or, you know, I didn't really have a business background and you spend 25 years in the government and bureaucracy and you're not really sure how to even go about it. So once I made the decision probably a year before I was going to retire, I started talking to people like Donna and Mike and and other retired ATF CFIs that, that I've kept in touch with just to start, what do I need to do? What What thing, what steps do I need to take to put myself in a position where when I do retire, I can put this business on some footing where I can I can start working fires and, and putting food on the table for my family. And and so the great thing about this industry is the great majority of, of folks, if you ask them for help, they're going to give it to you if they can. And I got a lot of great advice from guys like Steve Carmen and Mike Bergon and Tad Heitzler and uh, Phil Fouts. Uh, those are all retired ATF guys. And then uh, guys like Mike and Alex Kanan and and uh, other guys around here in the Midwest that kind of said, "Hey, maybe think about this." Or, I mean, I had guys tell me, "Hey, go get this book. This tells you where you can go get office supplies." That you know, when you're starting, just little yeah. things that when you're working for the government, right? Everything's just kind of shows up and it's there, and you don't have to worry about. I need a pen and a pad and copy paper right. and a, a computer. I mean, it's all there, so. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I and, and I want to thank you for for bringing this up because you and I talked about it. This I have a class now uh, on transitioning from from public to uh, private that we that we can give to uh, uh, to fire investigators that are that are that want to do that transition because there's life at the end of the department. And I know that you're there for them. Um, you, yeah, we want to help each other out. You, I mean, you might be. <laughs> Some people don't want to help out because they think they're creating competition. I don't. I particularly, I like, I want to help people out because I want to raise the bar in the fire investigation community. I mean, I don't know if you're on across this or not, Doug, but I I certainly have. Uh, There are some, um, there are some guys that think, oh, I've got 25 years on, on the fire department and I know how to put out fires. So I should just go into investigations now when I retire. Well, that's you just can't do that. You have to plan for it, and that's why we're having this show, um, because you have to plan, not from the very be- it, it, I mean years in advance to study, so that you actually know what you're looking at. Um, now you were fortunate, weren't you, Doug, in in that you got into the ATF CFI program. So you want to tell them a little bit about that, so that that. Um, I mean, that was ATF, but still, it'll encourage people to get the training. Yeah, and, you know, I think you can relate. Um, 
fire investigation to starting a business in, in relation to this show, you don't know what you don't know. And so, you know, starting out, I, I had had the opportunity to work some fires as a regular old agent or a plain old agent, as we call them, POAs. And I really enjoyed them. And I, I thought, you know, uh, and honestly, another guy, uh, how I got into it was after the Waco uh, situation happened down in Texas. I was down in Fort Worth and we were talking about some things. And he said, you know, Doug, there's not a lot of guy, there's not a lot of one ads for a guy that can kick a door. And you really need to look at arson and explosives. And I'd already worked some fires, and I enjoyed them. And I had the opportunity when I moved back to to Wichita, uh, a fellow you know, Mike Boxler, had just left the Wichita office, and they were in need of a CFI. And I said, well, if I'm going to do it, now's the time. So I jumped in, and and the CFI training candidate program is – it's probably the toughest thing I've ever gone through from the standpoint of – the volume of things that have to be done in a short period of time. So you start out, you start out with your class at the National Fire Academy for their basic, you know, fire and arson investigation class. And then from there, you come back to your, to your office and you have to dot, you have to work a minimum of a hundred fire scenes in two years and, and write reports on all of them. And, and in that time you're working with another certified investigator so they can, they can guide you and teach you and provide the on the job training that, you know, a lot of guys got back in the day, even when the science wasn't right. Uh, so we, you start there, you start working fires, and then during that two-year program, uh, the, the CFI training branch is constantly sending you assignments from readings you had to do, whether it was 921 or Kirk's Fire Investigation or, you know, a, a myriad of other textbooks that they, they present to you. And about... Six months into it, uh, the joy known as uh, Fire Phenomenon and Closure Fires with Dr. Jim Quinteri, uh, <laughs> the University of Maryland, who's a wonderful man, one of the most intelligent people I've ever been around. But when he talks, I've been through, through his presentation probably three times, and I, I pick up more each time. But the first time we all went through it, uh, we ended all up back in a, in a hotel ballroom with a, with a fire protection engineer trying to dumb it down for us because he is just... The, the calculation, so all the yes. calculations that we talk about, you know, heat release rate, and heat flux, he's doing that in his head as he's teaching us, and it, it was incredible. But So you get through that, then, then ATF, about midway through that two-year program, puts on uh, advanced origin and cause and court techniques. So we got exposed to uh, Bob, uh, Bob Savari and, and some of his uh, techniques just on the electrical side, and the whole that whole two-week training program builds up to where you're testifying they bring in a federal judge they bring in u.s attorneys and they allow you to work it basically work an investigation to where you're you're testifying as an expert as to the origin and cause of the fire and that and i think mike that's kind of uh based on the class you teach or vice versa as far as expert witness testimony because yeah what happened was yeah, what happened was we uh, worked with the fire. We actually had the original class and, and turned it over. Uh, we, we worked with Fire Academy, and they developed uh, different scenarios. They put on different scenarios. Uh, we we uh, putting on a static one. Um, but you see, you have had this advantage, and a lot of fire um, investigators are uh, don't have the advantage that you had because uh, they're not able to to work uh, 100 fires with someone, uh, you know, that, and I think you worked with Dave Higday with the Kansas Fire Marshal's Office, didn't you? 
I, I worked with Dave. I worked with Kevin Kitterman, and right. Uh, and these guys are good, and they're they're, and they're God Some, God bless Dave. I know he's he's retired now, but uh, Kevin is now a, a detective in an, in another. Um, capacity, but uh, I, you know, uh, these guys are great, and you got to work with them, and they they showed you what they were doing, and 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 you, and I always recommend, by the way, anybody that wants to go into fire investigations, and they haven't had the the luxury of having that kind of a exposure, to to sign up with some private investigation company and go to hundreds of fires, and I know we have a training program here with my company where you're in for three years before you even uh, start thinking about uh, getting an IAAI CFI. Uh, and then when you get that, you get to be a full-time investigator with us. But but we have the luxury of having investigators that we can train people. And uh, I wanted to bring up something to you, Doug. You, you've got this great background. Um, but when you were at the NRT or when you were out working fires for the public service, you weren't uh, you weren't collecting adjusters' cards, were you? You weren't uh, you weren't thinking about uh, tomorrow in, in the business development end, were you? Uh, no, and that that was probably the biggest mistake I made uh, while with ATF. I think you know thinking back, the well the biggest mistake I made ATF was becoming a supervisor, and, and most supervisors you talk to will tell you the same thing. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, my goal was to just stay with ATF until I was, you know, forced to retire uh, at 57, which is mandatory for all federal agents, mm-hmm. uh, until I took the supervisor's job. And then they started talking about Washington. And, and so the mistake I made is I'd be on scenes with, with David Higday or Kevin Kitterman or, you know, whoever, and I'd, I'd meet investigators. And, I you know, I'd, I'd be polite and try to help them if I could. And, and I know, Mike, I brought you onto scenes at times when... Sure. Uh, you were on, you were around if I could, um, but I didn't. I didn't network. I didn't develop that. Think. I, I never had the thought process. You know, when I was twenty years into to my ATF career about working fires after the fact, I thought there's no way I'll never do it. And if I if I could go back and do it again, I would. I would contact these adjusters and just say, hey, you know, we were out on these on this scene. Um, and, and maybe, you know, if it was an arson or something, obviously not give them uh, anything that would, would hurt the investigation, but just make that contact. And, yeah. and the thing is, the people I've run across, at least, have all been extremely great people. Uh, you know, they're doing a job, too. And, and from the public side, we're not trying to hinder that. Sometimes I think maybe they think that. but mm-hmm. uh, But, yeah, huge mistake on my part for not developing relationships and networks on that side even even if the thought was i'm not going to do this you never know <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> you know I found I, out later <laughs> yeah i know and you're absolutely right and i don't know what uh, pushed you over into continuing that i know that the reason i got into it was because i was a police detective and and i, I wrote a paper on arson and that suddenly made me arson guy and i had to learn something about fire so um but, uh, and I didn't, you know, I wasn't planning, I was going to be a police chief, uh, but then circumstances happened and, and junk, and so what happened was what? I, uh, I decided to go into fire full-time, and, and uh, so, yes, it, it, your, your life changes sometimes, but you have to have some options, and I think that's one of the reasons, I know I talked to you about this before, that's one of the reasons I wanted you so much to, to be here. And I can, I can preach all the t- time in my expert witness uh, classes or when I give classes out in, in the community, 
that you really got to prepare for things. And and from coming from you, I, I think they can hear that. I think they can hear, well, look, if I'm on the public side right now, but there is life after the department, maybe. Uh, well, and one thing to point out, Doug, about you is that, yeah, there's a lot of people that retire and they go to work for an already in-operation company, so they become an employee of an existing fire investigation company, you literally jump from the frying pan into the fire at ground zero and had to build everything, your logo, your business yeah. cards, the name of your company. You had to get your insurance, your licenses, You had, and then market and work fires. So very <laughs> impressive. Not a lot of people can do that and and. and especially when there's no book out there that says, hey, this is how you do it. You know, one thing that, that uh, I was thinking of preparing for the show is anybody who's dealt or worked with the federal government knows the bureaucracy that, that it is. And, and you, you know, the, when, you, when you hire on, whether it's a fire department or anything else or, or any company, they'll have processes in place, standard operating procedures or, or however right. they want things done. And, and I... That's one thing I didn't think of until I really got started is mm-hmm. one thing that we had at ATF that was just the thorn in the side of every agent in the country was called a management log. And mm-hmm. so they developed that probably within the last 10 years. And anytime you did anything, it was supposed to go in this management log, just so your supervisor could go in and make sure, hey, you're doing something on this investigation. Well, I realized after about the third or fourth fire I worked when a when I misunderstood an adjuster or he misunderstood me and we had a difference of opinion on what should have been done, I created a management log and I have one in every single one of my files. And when I talk to somebody or I do something, it is notated. And if anybody ever comes back, it's right here. And it's part of the, my, my official file and business records until, you know, probably until I, in, in this part of my life. But it's it's something that you don't think about. Something that you hated so bad now becomes one of your favorite things because it's there to protect you. Yeah, it's a right. it's a valuable asset because you know. Um, well, let's give you let's give you an example. And like in my case, and and uh, there are times you go out to in a fire scene and you and you want to determine the cause of the fire, but you need a an like an electrical engineer or a mechanical engineer for their expertise because nobody knows everything about anything. So we don't we don't uh, testify outside the area of our expertise. So we say, hey, you know. We'd like to have bring this electrical engineer in here just to eliminate this thing, okay? Or just to tell us if, if what what's uh, what what happened. And they'll say, well, no, really, it's uh, it's not that important. Uh, it's um, it's the damage is not enough or whatever. So what happens in in my file? And I actually make it part of the report. As I put in there, and, and all you fire investigators out there, listen up. This is it. This will cover you with, uh, with, uh, with, with it. And it says, the engagement of a blank engineer was discussed, period. An engineer was not retained, period. There you are. If they say no, put that in there. Now, now it's in there so that in an audit six months or uh, two years from now when the, when the insurance company looks at it and says, why didn't we send in an electrical engineer or an engineer to check this, um, that investigator is not going to be on the wrong end of that. 
They're not going to say, well, the, the fire investigator didn't tell me I needed one. Um, and never put in recommendations in your reports, okay? <laughs> because what if they don't do them, okay? Then that's going to be criticized. What if they do do them and you didn't recommend something else? You see? So anyway, I'm giving you some tips here on the air, but I know you know these, Doug, and, and that management log that you're talking about is exactly that. If you said to some adjuster, well, we needed this, and they said, nope, not, too, not this time, then you have cover, yes? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, uh, it's come back to, I don't want to say save me, but clarify conversations that were had because... I, I really do make a point of it, it becomes kind of a an ongoing diary or ledger of contacts with the adjuster or SIU or the insureds. So, so I, you know, I know what I did and I know what I said, but it also it documents for them down the road if there's a misunderstanding. I can always go back to that and say, hey, I, I spoke with you on February 17th and. You know, we talked about an engineer or whatever it is, and, and you chose not to go that route. So, yeah. again, yeah. you've got to you've got to have cover. That's, and I don't think that is really different in either what public or private. You're always looking for cover at some point. Yeah, I know, only because of one thing, and that is everybody wants to do a really good job, and and what they want to do a good job, and sometimes other things. Well, and you know what, um, you know, I have I never fault the. The uh, the carriers uh, for for saying they have an economic decision to make. We have a we have an investigative decision to make, and uh, and they have an economic one. If they think it's not economical for them, it's their money, um, and so that's okay. Absolutely. Uh, and if we say, well, sorry, we we're not going to be able to determine the cause of the fire, or exact causation without this failure uh, analysis. Um, then then they say, okay, then we say, all right, well, then it's undetermined pending further information, you know, and that's fine. I mean, as long as everybody understands that nobody that's a fire investigator in the world is going to be able to determine every fire that they go to. If they say they did that, then don't use him because he's, uh, he's, uh, he's committing perjury, <laughs> so... You know, I, I think at some point, I mean, back, I remember when I first got into this, there were people like that. Oh, but I, I think, I truly think with the the evolution of nine, NFPA 921 and, and NFPA 1033, I think those guys have been weeded out, even though I'm, I'm sure they're still out there. But I think those guys are, for the most part, out of the business. Well, they're, they're certainly still out there. And I'm sorry to say I go all over the country and find out that they're still out there. Um, the other ones that believe that they, uh, they stop reading. And when they stop reading, it's like um, Einstein said, when you, start, when you stop reading, you start dying. So he, that will kill your, your um, business in uh, fire investigations because there's so much new research. You, you talked about Kirk's eight, or I mean, Kirk's fire investigations. Number eight is out now. Dave Icove and, and Gerald Haynes um, has, has the, the latest uh, Kirk's fire investigations. Number eight um, is now out. So that needs to be, it needs to be purchased. It's got all the, all the 28 uh, job performance requirements from 1033 are in there and discussed. Uh, and, uh, 
and the scientific method, of course. And so, and I know that you use that diligently. In fact, uh, uh, you're steeped in it. Is what is uh, my uh, my outline says. Is that not true? It does. If you're if you're not using it, then uh, it. I think we spoke earlier about it. It, it will find you. It's gonna it's gonna catch up with you at some point. It's just a matter of when. Ah yes, yes, and uh, yes, and, and in fact, the matter is, ten thirty three is now being used as the uh, as the spear to uh, hurt people uh, in deposition because they don't know uh, the sixteen things that they have to be uh, um, current on beyond a high school education, and then the secondly, they uh, they can't define even what it is. Um, Fire dynamics, by the way, folks, according to National uh, Institute of Standards and Technology, is the study of how fires start, spread, and develop. That's it. It's not hard, really. So there's a big, long one with about fluid mechanics and things, but uh, that's really what it is. Now, in a few minutes, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, Doug, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about um, some stuff that you're like the advice that was given to you, your frustrations uh, when you were first got started and and your lessons learned. Uh, also, I'd like to have a nice, interesting story from you about a fire story, okay? Absolutely. Yeah. And Donna, you and you might think of something really hard to ask him some calculation or something. That'd be great. <laughs> Get him that equation. Heat, heat release rate of cotton. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. I'll, yeah, so I'll some, need my TI eighty five for that, please. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's no, let's that's boring enough uh, uh, about uh, listening to my voice. So so let's try not to kill people with equations. So anyway, all right. Well, then what we're going to do is. Um, uh, Donna, I'm sorry, I didn't let you say anything earlier. Did you want to say anything? We've got two minutes left. No, that, no, it, I just, I know that the it, this is for the people out there that aren't considering. I mean, and Doug, I like that you planted a seed, that there is life afterward, life changes, things happen all the time, and like with your career, you thought you were going to be there till 57, and and it changed direction, and, and you weren't necessarily prepared for that. And that is what people need to have in the back of their head is that, you know, if something were to happen with the department and something changing, that they need to have that plan B. Oh, yeah, I agree completely. And, I, you know, going back to something else Mike said, it, doing, doing what we do is not something just because you were a fireman for 20 years does not qualify you to be an expert witness uh, pertaining to fire origin and cause because the training uh, that I've been fortunate enough to have and the ongoing training that I get from, you know, the IAAI and CFITrainer.net and, and it's invaluable. And I learn something at every scene. And I feel like if I don't, if I haven't picked up something at a scene, I've, I've, it's kind of a, it's a loss for me. No, that's great because, and you're absolutely right. And so, um, and I'll tell you, I'll hold on to that thought because we're going to have to take a break now. And then when you come back, you can tell them all the stuff that you learn every time. So, okay. So when we're going to come back in a moment. So when you come back, come back to speaking of fire. We're making- 
making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Fire Consulting International provides consulting and expert fire origin and cause investigations. Our experienced, certified fire investigators have specialized skills to meet litigation requirements. We also provide peer review of reports for other investigative firms to assure they meet NFPA guidelines and ASTM standards. Educational classes and CEU classes are also provided. For professional investigations, contact Fire Consulting International at fcifire.com or call 913-262-5200. Fireanalysis.net offers cutting-edge, comprehensive programs unique to the insurance industry. Our vendor vetting assures regulatory compliance with the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, NFPA guidelines, and ASTM standards. We ensure that investigators' reports are in compliance with those standards. We also offer comprehensive programs to assure compliance with your company guidelines. Please contact fireanalysis.net. That's fireanalysis.net. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. To call in to today's show, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to connect at speakingoffire.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Speaking of Fire. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. So before we left, uh, you were you were talking about uh, Doug. You were talking about you learn things from um, scenes that you go on, and I still am too. After all these years, um, some some new wrinkle or something. Can you do you have an an idea, an example of like that? Well, I think one thing that that always kind of impresses me because normally, especially in this role that I am now, I don't get to see the fire as it's being suppressed or I don't get to see it in its, you know, beginning stages. So the thing that always, I always kind of marvel at is the ventilation effect. You know, whether it's at a, you know, a door opening where we have real heavy, real severe damage on some flooring right at the doorway or, you know, how, how the fire moved because it breached a, uh, another, an interior door or something like that. And so, it, to me, the the whole the way fire moves, and, and and I know when I was with ATF, we had the opportunity to do a lot of live burns, and we had uh, a uh, old army or military base in North Carolina, and we had buildings, and they all had four apartments in each building, and we tried setting two identical fires, same materials, got the got the materials from the same places, set them the exact same way, and they burned differently because mm-hmm. you know maybe a window was was replaced or, and it was a different, you know, vintage than the other ones. And so it's just, it's always amazing to me how you see something like, well, how in the world could that have happened? And then you step back and you start thinking about it from a fire dynamics perspective. 
well, we had this happen, and we had this happen, and now we have that. So that, that's always something that, that I try to incorporate when I'm doing an origin and cause as to why do we have this damage here when it's fairly obvious that the fire started over there. And, and so those are things I always try to look at. I think, uh, I think ventilation is the least understood part of our our, uh, our whole, whole career. Um, I think also, too, is um, – and the heat <laughs> – um, I just had this discussion last night with a fire investigator that called me, and he was talking about doing a test. And I said, "You're doing. You remember, you're not trying to replicate it. This is not a reproduction. It is a demonstration, because right. you can never really replicate a fire scene because you don't know what the what the air exchange rate is of this particular building." You'll never have that. You'll never know exactly how uh, how drafty it was, or or anything of that nature. And and uh, and you can do all kinds of calculations to try and figure that out. Do a fire model. However, uh, it can also be garbage in, garbage out. Can so, I tell you a quick story about a yes. create or a uh, presentation? Yes, we had a please. we had a very large fire here in Wichita back in the mid '90s. Uh, took out part of a city block. And we had information early on about a, about a guy walking through the alley behind this building where the fire started. All the fire patterns are consistent with the fire starting in a trash dumpster in this alley. And okay. it, it breached a window, and then it went up and took the roof off, and it just you know it spread like crazy. So we decided let's let's go back to the ATF Fire Research Laboratory. And see what you know what we get. We kind of had an idea of what was in the dumpster because the the business that uh, had the dumpster uh, was kind of a home decor, flowers, all that kind of thing. So they they had done a lot. It was right after Christmas. They had done a lot of cleaning up, boxes, styrofoam, all that kind of thing. So we go back and do. And so all we could really do at the fire research lab was recreate the wall, the exterior wall, and the window, and then a dumpster, and. My theory was that we had a fire initiated in the dumpster. It develops, breaks the, the window glass, and then eventually extends into the building and, and moves up and away from there. We got the window to crack, but we the things we didn't have, we didn't have the exact, you know, obviously we didn't have the exact volume of trash or whatever was in the dumpster. Right. We didn't know how high the trash extended above the top of the dumpster. And the other, the, probably the biggest thing we didn't have, the fact that it was about 10 degrees outside when the fire happened, uh, we couldn't recreate that in the fire right. research lab. So uh, the variables that come into play in trying to do a test like that are just ridiculous. Oh, yeah, wind, wind direction, humidity, yeah. all kinds of things come into, into play. And then not only that, but... Um, well, not on the dumpster fires generally, but even even in the in the um, the firefight, the firefight. Oh, yeah. How was it? Uh, yeah, that can that can really give you a <laughs> that can really give you a hard time until you find out. Uh, oh yeah, well they straight streamed this through this window over here, and uh, you know I mean we have I know you work a lot of rural losses, don't you? Yes, it seems like it. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it, so I mean, and sometimes we're going to these scenes. Where it's the we call I call it the black hole of Calcutta. What it is is just a flat, you know, 
grounder, we call them grounders, where the whole thing is destroyed. The, all the walls are down, the floors are gone. The, you know, uh, if, if they haven't if they haven't been totally consumed, they've they've fallen outward and they've terribly burned. And and those things are the, are challenging, uh, shall we say? But still, there are times when we're still able to to do things. We can find it. We can. And this is for anybody who's thinking about setting the fire. We take samples and we can identify uh, uh, ignitable liquids and we know how how people set fire. So um, don't think that you're secure at any setting any fire uh, because we're we're out there and the new research all the time uh, is just magnificent. So um, so I want to hey, tell you there's that there's something I want to bring up that's semi-related to this because we're talking a lot about um, testing and in the public side and all those things, which we do on the private too. But it got me thinking, Doug, one of the things that was probably I'd like to know how much of a learning curve and when did you feel comfortable understanding the private aspect? I mean, fire's origin and cause is origin and cause. But, But insurance claims are a business thing and so there's a different approach let's talk about that a little bit um i think again i think i'm still learning uh a little bit of that as i as i go along um honestly one of the the best uh learning points that i got was a fire that that came from from your company mike mm-hmm. and i had the they didn't want a, a full-blown report. There, you know, it was kind of a fire like you were talking about, very rural, mm-hmm. burned to completion. There wasn't much left. And and so I was still kind of in the, the public sector mode, and I'm interviewing this poor guy who's lost everything, and I'm asking about his finances, and I'm asking about is anybody mad at him, and, you know, <laughs> all those kind of things. And I put that in my report, and, and Mike, yeah. I don't know if you recall, but you called me and said, whoa, whoa there, yeah. big fella, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that's not your role. And so that, that was a huge piece of advice to me in that I was still thinking of it, you know, when I was, I was with ATF, we would take it cradle to grave. So we'd yeah, I'd sure. be on scene while the f- firefighters are still on scene and uh, and work it if it was an arson until we prosecuted somebody. And so, you know, the origin and cause part is what it is. I mean, we're all that's looking true. for the truth. We're trying to do the best job we can. Um but there is a little bit different nuance with things related to the insurance side of it. And, you know, every once in a while I'll get a call from an adjuster saying, hey, could you do this or could you take, you know, this doesn't yeah, really relate sure. to your origin and cause. And so that that's probably been the biggest thing. Yeah, boy, see, we're, yeah, and, you, and thank you for saying what you said. The truth seekers are, we're truth seekers, not case makers. That's part of our code of ethics for the International Association of Arson Investigators. And, and see, we really go out there and find out what the truth is. It's our truth. It might not be God's truth, but it's our truth. And once we convince ourselves of what started the fire, then we'll, we can testify to our truth. Um, but the SIU units, the special investigations units for the insurance companies, are the ones that do the follow-through. So nowadays, uh, and it used to be we did the whole thing. Now, I did the same thing that, that you did, Doug. I mean, when I first came into it, boy, anybody that set a fire wanted them to go to jail forever and all that stuff. And, and uh, it was my job to, to go out there and find out if they did it. And now, 
now the roles have changed. They've, the states are mandating that the, the insurance carriers have special investigations units. And so we determine whether what happened at, at the scene of the fire, and then they pick up the ball. And, and uh, whether or not uh, they follow through with it or whether they drop the ball or whether they, they, they build a case, uh, uh, they find out who did it. Uh, that's really, and it's it, it kind of still frustrating me to this day uh, because I'm a cop under the skin still. Uh, I'd still like to I'd still like to see the the, the guy that said it get it. But uh, you know the the real truth of the matter is our our job stops now at the at the at the expert origin and cause, and that's what we testify to. And I know have you have, have you been uh, since well you've. You might not be in long enough. Have you testified in a in a trial yet? Did you say? Not on the civil side yet. No, not civil I've, side. I've okay. got a couple that are potentially coming up, but not yeah. not yet. Well, that'll be an experience. But uh, this, did, well, as you as we all know, the depositions are where where you really cut your teeth on it. That's where the that's the fire. That's where where your 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 baptism under fire, and cfitrainer.net has two uh, classes on depositions, folks, for listening out there. And they are free to fire investigators. So, They're very good as well. Oh, well, good. I'm glad to hear that. But somebody, <laughs> liked, somebody liked them. I'm a, co- I'm a co-author of a couple of them, so that's why. Uh, only somebody, you, well, that might, you don't, you've never read my part because that was the part they threw out. So, okay. <laughs> Cutting room floor. And, yeah, sir. Well, okay. So, what's your biggest frustration with the um, in the in insurance industry now, big guy? Well, not not with anyone in particular. It, it's my biggest frustration early on is again I was going down a road that I had no map for, and and so I just started reaching out to to people either I knew or I'd met, hoping they might remember me, or mm-hmm. I would just start identifying people that I thought, hey, maybe they they can at least put me in touch with the guy who can point me in the right direction with this company. And, and most, almost everybody I, I dealt with was very helpful. Um, they might not have the answer, but they pointed me in the right direction. And that's the thing. It just took a lot of time mm-hmm. to find the right person in, in a particular company to say, oh, yeah, we can, we'd love to put you on our vendor list and let you, you know, help us out on fire losses. Um, and I did, you know, as, as things went on, I did find out if you could find somebody in a, in the SIU units, mm-hmm. they could, they had a better kind of handle on it as far as where I needed to go to get put on these vendor lists. So, but everybody was, it wasn't so much a frustration. It was, it, it's kind of like dealing with the government. Some of these companies are so large that oh, you yeah. got to find that right person. And once you do it, then it, then it becomes a, a pretty simple process, but it's finding the right person. That's true. And then sometimes... You'll have um, adjusters for the companies that like you, and they they want to use your services all the time, and it's great. And they call you, and then they change the company. Yeah. And now, yeah, and now you're not on their <laughs> vendor list. And so there it goes. Our claims managers, same thing. They move around, and when they move around, you move around. You know, it, they might call you at the new company, or well, they're new there, so they don't get the make those decisions yet, you know, and things of that nature. So suddenly it drives up in that area. And so what, um, I know that you wanted me to, to talk to you about what your advice 
first of all, what, what good advice was given to you, and then what would be your advice to, to people? The best advice given to me was by, uh, I, was, I was actually up at our, our, our fire research laboratory in Washington, D.C., and, and a guy named Mike Keller, who was an electrical engineer there at the time, uh, we, we were talking, we were working on a case, but I was telling him I was getting ready to retire, and, and I was thinking about doing this, and he, at one point in, in, in a past life, had been on the private side as well. And, you know, the thing he said to me is, never, ever stop trying to develop new clients. And, you know, the more I thought about it and the more, I've, the longer I get through this, the more that makes all the sense in the world. Um, you know, just like you said, Mike, if, so, if somebody that likes, likes you and uses you and then they promote or they move to another company or, or whatever, you may, you may potentially lose that client. But if you're, you're continually trying to develop relationships with other companies or other, other units within a particular company, you're always going to or hopefully, I, I knock wood, hopefully you're always going to have, you know, that work coming in uh, in a steady stream. Um, one thing that, that I've noticed <laughs> back in, I think, I guess it would have been August and September of last year. Mm-hmm. I, I'd, been, I'd been extremely busy and it was, everything was great. And then everything just died. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm like, I couldn't have, I couldn't have made every client that I've worked for upset over something. And then I happened to be talking to another, another investigator and they said, a lot of companies had to send a lot of their adjusters to Houston and, right. and the Gulf Coast because of the hurricanes. And I'm like, right. that makes sense. I didn't make exactly. everybody mad, so I'm not a horrible investigator. So, but that's, that's why I can, you know, in the downtime that I do have, I'm always trying to identify other companies that potentially I could work with. Right. Uh, or other people, and so that, as far as that goes, I, I think no matter how great your business is going, you always mm-hmm. have to keep trying to developing relationships mm-hmm. with other with other companies and with other people. No, and you're absolutely right. And you know what's funny is, first of all, it takes. Well, you're an entrepreneur. You you've taken the risk. You bet on yourself, and I commend that. I did that. Started in 1985, and never looked back. You know, maybe I maybe I'd have some money. No, never mind. Anyway, the bottom line is, Mike, I was in high school in 1985, but I'm not counting. Yeah, well, look, I got one investigator that said I wasn't born yet. You know, I'm sure. Okay, so no, okay, so but here's the deal: you you're you're a risk taker, and but you do you work at it, and you're exactly right about what you said. Is you never stop trying to develop. Uh, but you also have to, you never stop honing your craft either. So anybody that goes into this has got to realize that it's, you're just not there. You're never just there. You always have to keep going. And, um, and, and sometimes somebody will leave one company and go to another and you've got a new company. That's great. Okay. Sometimes you, you've dried up uh, you, that is dried up, but guess what? It's always feast or famine, it seems like. Summers, summers slow down in fires. So you know For this, sure. Doug, because it's hot. And uh, people are not using uh, uh, heating equipment and stuff like that. And uh, so, But they're using barbecue grills next to their house and setting fires to their houses. <laughs> but than that, uh, no, but seriously, it, 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 you, you get that fear when you're – and let me tell you, I'm, I'm telling you this so that you can – allay any fears you're going to have. And that is, uh, I, I mean, if it gets one week, 
or two weeks and your phone isn't ringing and you're saying, first of all, you check the phone every once in a while to see if it works. <laughs> Secondly, you're saying, what did I do? Why, why they don't like me anymore, right? It's the Sally Field thing. You really right. like me. Uh, uh, but guess what? Um, it's just the nature of the beast. It's, uh, it, it's like you said, they, they, they have a big uh, catastrophe in some part of the country and everybody runs there. All the cat teams go and then they bring in all the adjusters and SIU units from all over the place because it's too big. And, um, and so it's really not us. Um, however, you know, you can also, you, you, companies can get, get perturbed with you about something. Um, they didn't like your bill. Um, they, they thought you, that you took too long. Uh, and this is all personal stuff, and, but they won't ever crab about how many hours you put in. They'll crab about how many miles you drove. Sure, <laughs> so, yeah. They'll never really tell you. Um, exactly what's going on um, and and it's just nature of the beast stuff and you can always talk to people like me that have been through the through the wars and that's why I look like this um, that that you can that will tell you you know it's it's it never be it's never a personal thing it's business it's what the mob says when they're about to execute you this is not personal it's business <laughs> right however I always take it personally that's, that's just me well, tell me, do you, have you got have you got a good story for you got a fire story for us? I don't know if it's a good story. Um, you know, I I think the hardest part I've I've started to to adjust to it is, and I think you were talking about it a little earlier. When you're on the public side, you take it all the way to prosecution, and you can see a you know an end end of the game, where mm-hmm. in on this side, on the private side, you, you do your origin and cause, you tell the adjuster, they ask you for a report, you send it in, and you may never hear what happens. And it's, it, at first it yeah. was a little frustrating, but, um, you know, I, the one fire that I, that I worked that constantly is in the back of my head uh, involved a, a law enforcement officer here in Kansas, and he got service some divorce papers and Lo and behold, a couple nights later, his his uh, wife uh, had a gunshot wound to the head, and the house was on fire. And mm. the the thing that I think I took from that case is I was primarily there for this with the state fire marshal, and I authored the origin and cause report. But when they when they got to the interview, they didn't mm. let me in on it. Oh, the, yeah. The, yeah. the agency that was handling it yeah. didn't let me in on it. And I knew, I'm, and, and I offered, offered, hey, let me, I'll take a shot. But they were afraid, oh, it's federal. Somehow the guy's going to think he's going to get charged federally with this crime. And, yeah. And, but I knew going in that if I could get him to talk about the fire, I, he, there, was, there were things he couldn't answer. Things he I, couldn't, you know, why weren't... I reached into where my wife was, and she, I knew she was dead, so I got, I got out of the house. He reached into a burning bed. So right. I'm, not, I'm not real smart, but I know when you reach into fire, you, you're probably going to get burned or have some damage to your skin because it's not, you know, impermeable. Um, 
But I think the main thing is, is no matter what you're doing, whether it's public side, private side, there's always somebody out there that, that may know a little more, that may be able to offer a different angle at things. Mm-hmm. And, and again, most of the time, so I, like I'm, what I'm getting at is, I feel like if I would have gotten a shot at that interview, I think we could have got a confession and avoided a trial. Or at yeah, least got d- admissions, right? So was, he, was, this, uh, was this guy downstairs, allegedly downstairs, sleeping on a couch or something? Yeah, and, yeah. And it had burned his feet? Um, he got didn't even, didn't even do that. Didn't even do that? No. But okay. there's, you can, the thing is, at least in my experience, there's always people out there that all you've got to do is ask, and, and they'll help you if they can. And so yeah. that's one thing that I always think back to is like, man, if, if I just could have had a shot at this, <laughs> maybe, yes. we wouldn't, maybe we wouldn't have to go through a trial, but it is what it is. And he was and, convicted. Uh, was he was convicted? Was he? He's in he's in prison for the rest of his life. So that's exactly right. So it did. So God does work with us um, in the end. Um, I uh, I have a lot of faith in in God and people getting. It. Oh, and that's the other thing too, Doug. As you know this already, if you don't get them on this one, you'll get them on the next one. Uh, more than likely. Yeah, they come around again. Um, yeah, I just worked one not too long ago in Kansas City, Kansas, that I had. We had denied a claim on this guy. He had set a fire over in Missouri, and uh, he did it again. So, Okay, well, we got about one minute and 20 seconds. Tell me, oh, wait a minute, it's about one minute. Quickly tell me how do people get in touch with you, sir? Um, I have a website, and it's www.montyfire.com, and that's spelled M-O-N-T-Y-F-I-R-E. Uh, my email address is Doug, D-O-U-G, at montyfire.com. And my uh, phone number is 316-253-9838. Thank you so much for being on the show. We've only got a few seconds left. Doug, you're a great guy. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Thank you, Doug. Mike and Donna. Great talking with you. Thank you. And uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, come back again next week because we're going to have a, well, I've only got uh, seconds now. So we're going to have a good uh, guest on and uh, hopefully uh, you'll get a, a, a wonderful kick out of this one. So, like you did this with, uh, you've learned a lot of good stuff here. So when you come back, please come back to Speaking of Fire. Thank you for tuning into Speaking of Fire. Please join your hosts, Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram, for another edition of our program next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember to be careful this week and every week.